From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. Why do we do that? That's a question Steve Langley asks often in his role as Chief Retail Officer at Schools Financial Credit Union in Sacramento, California. He's been a self-described why guy his whole life. That inquisitive nature has prompted organizational changes and strategic shifts that produce bottom-line results. I'm Adam Mertz, Associate Manager for CUNA News and Credit Union Magazine. I recently spoke with Langley about a number of topics he's passionate about, including his work with the Credit Union Awareness Initiative, affecting and managing organizational change, and developing future leaders. Langley also discusses a serendipitous twist that took him from career Air Force man to respected credit union executive who last fall was named Professional of the Year by the CUNA Operations and Member Experience Council. His path has come around full circle. This year, Langley is serving as Honorary Vice Wing Commander at Travis Air Force Base, where he began his military career. Steve, you spent a lot of time working on the awareness initiative, and obviously at GAC, there was sort of the, the unveiling of the initial phase of, uh, of the awareness campaign. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, what it was like to sit there and see the product of all that hard work uh, for, for two years. Well, uh, quite frankly, it was actually a little nerve-wracking because we kind of built this baby along with our consultants that we had been working with, but we didn't really know what what quite you know what to expect. And so, uh, literally, I mean, you know, if we could have bitten our fingernails down anymore, we would have. Um, but yeah, sitting in the front row watching Teresa doing a great job and um, unveiling the Open Your Eyes uh, Awareness Initiative and um, it was awesome. It was just really great to see the positive reaction in the audience. And then kind of the icing on the cake to that was the breakout session that we had where, you know, obviously we would have people be able to stand up at a microphone and and ask questions or criticize or and none of that happens. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, we had a lot of questions and a lot of comments, but overall, I think it was really well received. Um, I walked out with a CEO of a of a ten billion dollar credit union, and she said, "Wow, this is great." And I think the, the you know the only natural question that came out of the introduction of the awareness initiative was, "What next? What are we going to mm-hmm. do next? What are the next steps?" And so, um, so it was exciting for us that that all of the work that the um, the core group did and our great vendor partners and did over you know over the last couple of years, it, it really kind of came to fruition. So it was a beautiful thing, in my opinion. It was a great. It was a great ending, uh, and again, it was a great ending, but a new start to the next steps with the awareness initiative. So, did you have any personal surprises along the way? Come into a project with perceptions of you know how this might unfold, what the research might indicate. What struck you maybe as something that you wouldn't have thought about when you came into this process? Yeah, I, I think that most of us. We felt like people didn't know what credit unions were, and I think one of our ahas was that people knew what credit unions were. So they they knew they knew overall what the concept of credit unions were and what they had to offer was, and so that was a little surprising to us. We thought it was certainly a you know awareness was the issue, and awareness is not the, the issue. It's more of it's more of action. How do you now turn? the awareness into action. And so that was certainly 
an eye-opener for us. One of the other things that I think that when some of the research came back, and let me just reemphasize is that this was research-based. And so it wasn't just a bunch of executives sitting around tables going, yeah, I think this, it was really, everything we did was very deliberately vetted and and, and through, through deep research. And so with that, what came back to us is that consumers view credit unions as kind of for the other guy. Like maybe they're not for the sophisticated. They're not for, they're not for those who are smart. And, 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 and while, you know, certainly we, uh, we do have a platform for serving the underserved, that was surprising to us because it was one of those things where like, really, people really think that we don't, that we don't, uh, that, that, you know, that it's really for, you know, people who are sophisticated don't use credit unions. And so again, it's a matter of, how do you turn those perceptions around? How do you make people feel differently about their credit union experience? I wanted to talk about one of your favorite questions, which is why do we do that? Um, and I'm curious about how that started and, and you, how you apply that at your credit union on a daily basis. Yeah, that's, that's I, I probably annoy people with it, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know I I came I came from an organization where um, I, that was a great organization that I worked for for almost 19 years, a credit union that I worked for for almost 19 years. So I think by the time I got here um, three and a half years ago, y- y- you know, a- anytime there's like fresh eyes on anything, you know, there's going to be questions. And so you're right, I am a naturally inquisitive human being. My staff will tell you that. My team tells will say. Steve always asks us the why, like, okay, well, why are we doing that? And so certainly, you know, when I got here, we were charged with, I was personally charged with helping grow our loan to share deposit ratio. And we were at 55%-ish uh, uh, back when I was hired and we're almost, we're, up, we're, up, we're creeping up towards 80% now. And so we've really made some great progress. But when my folks would bring me things like our annual sales goals for the next year or or sales objectives or a great example, and I've played it over again, I've probably played it to, to its death, was is that we were giving away free gap in our organization. And a, a couple of my managers, you know, like I'd say like, why, why, you know, does it really, do our members really, you know, do they like the free gap? And they're like, they don't even know about the free gap. Hmm. And so, you know, long story short is that that's a great, that was a great, product to say, well, why are we doing that then? Why are we, why are we giving away something for free when no one really cares that they get it for free anyway? And so we were able to turn our gap portfolio or, you know, we were able to actually, we, we had 10 times the growth the next year um, with some changes that we put in place. One was we took away the free gap because people didn't really know it was free and they didn't really care. We kept it at a, re- a, a very uh, reasonable price, lo- lower price than most of our competitors. And then I changed the incentive structure because um, that was an otherwise like, well, we pay, you know, $10 a waiver. And I'm like, well, do we tier it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, why not? I mean, why wouldn't we provide an extra, if someone sells 10 versus one, why would we pay them the same payout? And mm-hmm. so we changed some of that. And that, again, that's a great example in our organization where we were able to really, really boost our, our income that came from, plus I think help members protect their loans. I mean, that's, that's the number one is that, any time that someone wants to implement a new product or service, and I say, how does it impact the member? How will that how will that help improve our member's financial life by by implementing that? I I never look at it from you know, hey, um, what kind of income will that bring to the organization? Now that's nice because we all as credit unions, I mean, we've got to do business and income is important. But my number one question is always, uh, how will that product or service impact 
our member's life or how will changing the pricing structure of that impact our member's life up or down? Yeah. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. You're obviously a big believer in credit union philosophy uh, and, and it all starts right there, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I've had the title sales in my in my title over probably a dozen of the years, maybe even more of those years of my career. And so, you know, sales is kind of a dirty word to some folks, and mm-hmm. not that you know, it's one of those things where you know, oh, we're we're in the credit union business. We're we're supposed to be the nice guys. And I kind of look at it like, look, when you're not offering a product or service to a member, when you're not putting something into their wallet that will help improve their financial life, that will save them money, that will make their life more convenient or provide them peace of mind, and I know it sounds cliche and corny, then you're not doing them a service. You're, you're, you're doing them a disservice. I, I frequently say that to our staff. I, I, when I meet, I, I meet with all new hires in our organization. I make, it a, I make it a habit that I ask HR to invite me to every new hire orientation in, in that, for every employee. So at least I can get in front of every new employee of the organization at least once, um, whether they work under my umbrella or they, whether they work under someone else's. And I always say, don't come to work thinking about having to sell something. Come to work thinking about how, how you can change a member's life today. It, again, it sounds kind of corny and cliche, but it's true. I mean, when you come to work thinking, how can I make changes in people's lives in a really positive way? How can I impact someone's life in a really powerful way today? Then it's, it's so much – you don't need to worry about your sales goals. You don't need to worry about – you don't need to worry about hitting your objectives. And we all have them. And and as we do in our organization, there's a saying that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have goals, we have objectives. And so, but we really feel like our employees do the right thing for our members. And just to give you, for instance, this year, you know, we have 8% growth on this and 8, 7% growth on that and 10% growth on this. But what we didn't do this year is we, we did not raise any employees' individual sales goals at all. But what I said to the managers is that we need our employees to do it because it's the right thing to do. And it's interesting, I think, that when employees have the feeling that, they, that they're buying into something that they can own, that I think that they just do it more naturally versus having something kind of shoved down their throat. So, I mean, that's kind of our philosophy here in this organization. Yeah. You know, I was going to ask you about the frontline role in this. I mean, you, when you have confidence in the product, it's a lot easier to you know, sell, if you're going to use that word, if you know that something will have a benefit for someone. I think that, you know, you can't sell something you don't know about, for sure. So uh, if, if you don't know what a gap waiver does or how it protects a member, then no, you're right. You've got to have kind of a grasp on the product. And I'm going to give you just an example is that what we try to do in our organization is that we don't say, hey, great, we sold X number of gap waivers this, this month or this quarter. What we ask, we work with our partners, who our, our vendor partner who, who works with us, who, uh, who is the provider of the gap. We actually look for stories of how our members were able to utilize that service. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, for Gap, I always like always ask my team when when we find that we've paid out when we've paid out uh, that that our, our you know our insurance company has paid out um, to cover a member's car who got totaled and their insurance company wouldn't cover the entire amount. I say share that with the staff because how cool is that? If you have, you know, if, if our employees are able to see how that product that they, that they put into that member's wallet made a difference for that member, and, and, and what a better way, like, again, I keep talking about Gap, it could be payment protection, it could be anything. You know, it's priceless when, you, when, when a member does have the protection and then they actually can use it. And so what a story to the rest of our team. So 
again, I think that it creates a sense of empathy on our on our employees' part to understand that I'm not just selling something. I'm actually doing something that's going to possibly help a member down the line. You know, and I'm sure that a, a lot of people have ideas on how they can improve something. A lot of people would like to ask why and get into that. What do you think is a barrier for people to ask that very important question? I think it goes back to what you had asked earlier is just that I think when people don't understand a product or service, you know, there's that sense of intimidation of I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, so I'll just avoid talking about it. <laughs> so so I, I think that if you really feel strongly about what you, what, what you offer to your members and that, and that you're able to communicate that on a pretty consistent basis. And again, we're not perfect at it. Golly, we're not perfect at it. I, I you know, I, I'm talking pie in the sky because, mm-hmm. you know, but look, I, I just attended a new hire orientation this past week. We had five new, five new branch employees that came on um, to our organization. Three of them had zero, zero financial services experience. One came from a Starbucks, one came from, one came from a grocery store, and one came from a, uh, a retail outlet. And so, you know, there's a lot of developing of those employees now because these are employees that barely have, you know, I mean, yeah, they may know what a debit card and a checking account is, but that's about it. So it is really to complete, create a, an environment where your employees are always learning. And that's what I shared with those folks. I'm like, you, you know, you're new at this, but like be a sponge and like learn as much as you can about our products and services. And when you're not serving a member, open a product menu, walk out to the, walk out to the lobby and grab a brochure and read about our products. Talk to other employees who are more seasoned because it is, you're right. It is one of those things where employees will not employees will not offer product and service that, that they're not comfortable with. And so it, it really is education that's the key. And these are young folks. These are folks that don't have the same life experience that you and I have. You know, the word gap or payment protection or, or those, that's Greek to them. So you, you really, it, it is an educational process. How did this process of meeting all the new hires began. What did you? Is that something that you had carried over? Did you start that at at your current credit union? No, I did it at my past credit union, but we would do it as a team. And then when I got here, and we're a smaller organization, we're a leaner organization, so we don't have, you know, ten, fifteen people starting at any given time. And um, sometimes, I, you know, it's one. Sometimes, you know, once, you know, because it's generally every other week, and um, sometimes it's just one employee that starts. But I. I started it on week – I remember I started it on week two when I got here because I remember, you know, like being at my last credit union for 18 years and 11 months and then coming here and going into my first orientation going, yeah, I've been here two weeks now. Um, so it started as soon as I got here. <laughs> it started as soon as I got here. Um, but uh, but I've been doing – if I'm if I'm in town and if I'm in the office, I will be up there. I, I, will, I will not miss a new hire orientation. I just think it's so important. Um, I think it's so important that um, our employees, especially, you know, I, look, I don't think I'm a big deal, I, I, but I think some people look at my title or my position and they're very reverent to it. They're very, oh my gosh, he's the chief retail officer. And, you know, I, I just have to remind them to go talk to my wife and she'll tell you exactly who I am. And so, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, I get feedback like, hey, I just came from Bank of America and I never met a vice president. I never met a chief anybody. So it's so cool that you come in and meet with us. And so, again, it, that's just my habit because I, I feel that's important to me. That And again, I, I meet with them for about a half an hour. 
And I actually, I actually do exercises with them to kind of show them how the credit union model works. Um, And I say, I'm going to be sending you guys out emails and asking you to increase our loan production, but I want you to understand why and what that looks like. And so I give them kind of an overview of how the credit union makes money. We make money through through loan interest. We make money through investments. We make money through fees and non-interest income. And so this is how we can pay our bills. This is how we pay our lights and our employees. And so I want you to understand that when I ask you to do these things, there's a reason behind it. And so that's kind of one of the things that I do at every orientation, whether there's one person or whether there's eight, is I is I literally will you know uh, give them an overview of how the credit union model works, and and it really seems to resonate with them. They go, ah, okay, I get it. Ah, I got it. I have to imagine there's a bit of a two way street there too. I don't know if the if it's immediate or down the road in terms of the feedback that you'll get from these folks or maybe uh, opening the door for that relationship that they feel like they can come to you with some of those questions about why. You know, one of the things I, I seem to do okay is I, I connect with people. And so, um, you know, it's, I, I think I learned that the most leaving my last organization is that I was there 18 years and 11 months. I was there a long time. Uh, we had over 500 employees. I knew I knew almost everybody by name. It was interesting is that when I when I left, I asked my CEO if I could send out the notice that I was leaving. And so I sent out a real sappy message to everybody saying I was leaving and how much I love them and blah, blah, blah. I received like 250 responses mm. of like, Steve, I don't know if you knew this, but you hired me. Or Steve, you helped me get promoted. Or Steve, you – and I'm like, I did? I mean, I, I did? I And I got a lot of those. And that was that was so eye-opening for me. It's just that – I can only hope that when I retire from here, you know, um, down the road sometime, that if that happens again here, then I have a, I've accomplished my mission. I think any good leader, the best thing they can do is to surround themselves and try to develop their people that when they leave, it's not a big loss. M- my job now is to really develop those folks around me. I mean, we we have a, a, a mentoring group that we just started in our organization is that we took a, a handful of, of potential future like senior leaders in our organization and we're, we started this mentoring group and it's been so rewarding. It's just been so great. You reflect back on any big turning points in, in your life that people pointed you the right direction or, or in a better direction? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, my former executive vice president at my last um, credit union, she was, um, she was just simply an amazing human being. And um, I remember her, you know, saying to me, um, I, 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 she was always a mentor, but I remember when I was, when I was, um, when I was deliberating taking this job and it was a very painful process. And I mean that really authentically that it was a painful process that I had spent somewhere almost 19 years of my life that I knew very well. I knew everyone. I knew, I knew, I knew where every bathroom was. I knew where every coffee pot was. I knew everything. Going to someplace, the unknown. And I just remember her saying to me one day as I was getting, as she was helping me kind of through this process, and, and then I had finally made the decision. And she looked at me, she said, now one, one piece of advice, she, she, she said, I said, she said, you know all the mistakes that you made here? And I said, yeah, she goes, don't make them again. Learn from what you – learn from your mistakes. She, she said, sometimes taking a new job is a beautiful thing because when you do that, you have a fresh start. How did you get into credit unions in the first place, Steve? Oh, my gosh. How did any of us get into credit unions, right? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, like I always say I always say this in, at like new hire orientation. I always ask. I'm like, okay, how many of you like when you were seven, raise your hands. 
How many of you when you're seven said, someday I'm going to work for a credit union? Yeah, it's just kind of funny because nobody, I mean, unless you come from a credit union family, like literally mom or dad or grandpa works for a credit union, none of us, none of us ever have the over intention to join a credit union. So I think we all fall into our jobs. We all, it's all serendipity. It's all happenstance. And so I think that certainly in my case, that was the case. I had just left the military. I was on active duty. I just, I, I was on active duty for almost 10 years. My wife and I had decided that um, we were going to get out and stay local and stay near her folks. And so uh, for me, it was one of those things where I, you know, I was leaving a career that I really loved. Uh, and so I, I remember I, I, I just got out. It was literally like two weeks after I got out, I was floundering a little like, what am I going to do? And my neighbor knocked on my door and my neighbor worked for a credit union, still does, works for the same credit union. She worked for a credit union. And she said, hey, um, don't you have like a training background? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, there's a credit union in Vallejo that's hiring a training manager. And I'm like, oh, oh, good. And and, and so I literally, that was kind of my step. Hmm. So I, I, I think I gave her my resume. She passed it on to the hiring manager. And like three weeks later, I was working for my first credit union. And literally, that's how it happened. And so it, it really is funny, you know, because I, I worked in training. I worked for, it was a small credit union. It was a smaller credit union. It was about a $100 million credit union. So we were kind of the jacks of all trades, the masters of none. Um, we did everything. So as the training manager, I did the tra- all the training, but I also I opened new accounts. I did some loans. I did you know, I mean, you just did everything, which was really kind of a beautiful thing because it really kind of started growing me and making me understand the dynamics of credit unions. And so, and, and, and three years later, I happened to be at a chapter meeting and this lady was sitting across from me and we were having uh, a drink and she said, hey, have you ever been a branch manager? And I said, no. She goes, you want to be one? And I said, sure. <laughs> and three weeks later, I was a branch manager at Travis Credit Union and there I stayed almost 19 years. And 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 you know I went in there as a branch manager and kind of re- worked my way up in, into the executive roles at Travis and so and then and then made my way here. So none of us, you know, I don't I don't think anybody overtly, you know, makes the decision to get into credit unions. But it's a it's a place where once you're in, you fall in love, and and you think I, I can never work anywhere else. I, I, life is so full circle sometimes. Is that um, just to give you a little bit of my history? Is that I I, I just you know. And I was I was sharing with the group yesterday. I was I was mentoring a group of leaders yesterday, and I said, "You you wouldn't believe where I came from." And like I literally barely made it through high school. I was a terrible student. Um, I was kind of a rebel. And I remember like the day I I like I I hit the minimum amount of credits to graduate from high school, and I was like woohoo! And I so I graduated from high school, and I remember walking to the kitchen to make a sandwich the next day, and my dad stopped me in the hallway, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And I'm like. I'm going to make a sandwich. And he's like, no, what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to make a sandwich right now. Um, and he, he's like, yeah, well, why don't you join the military? And I thought, oh, okay. My grades had been so bad. I was never getting into a, a college. Um, and so like four months later, I was in the Air Force. And, uh, you know, and, so, and then I drove you know, 3,000 miles across country in a 15-year-old car with no cell phone in 1983 um, to land at Travis Air Force Base. And I drove on to Travis Air Force Base with zero stripes on my arm as, as an E-1 in the military. And there I served almost for the next 10 years, and I had a really great career there. Uh, and, and, and I got out, and, and I thought that was it. But um, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was asked to be an honorary commander. And what that is is that 
Um, it's you, you shadow various commanders, and, and my commander is the, the vice wing commander. His name is Matt Leard. He's a, he's a colonel out at Trapless Air Force Base. So, um, and so I've now been spending, I just finished my first year, and I'm going into my second year, where I literally, I, I meet with the, 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 the vice wing commander, and him and I kind of, you know, kind of compare careers. I mean, he's a high-ranking military guy. I'm a fairly high-ranking civilian guy. And so he learns from me and my civilian experience, and I learn from him in his military experience. But life is certainly full circle. Um, I've enjoyed every minute of it. And so it's, it's been great. And I try to participate in as many activities out there as I can. And so um, it's kind of cool. So I went from a, a no-striper to a colonel overnight. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Rags to riches. <laughs> right, the riches. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, I mean, that's a long time to spend in the Air Force you, you, yourself. Um, but now it's probably even more applicable to say, what are those lessons that you are learning in those discussions uh, with the commander on base? Oh, goodness. I mean, you know what I learned? I learned that people are people. It, it's funny. It, it, it's funny you ask that because it, it, it's it's really sometimes the issues that he deals with are the exact same issues that I deal with. Yeah. Um, and if you think that recruiting for your credit unit is tough right now, try recruiting from the military. I mean, this economy is very strong. Uh, unemployment's at an all-time low. So it's just difficult to to recruit for the military. So I would just say that, you know, one of the, you know, kind of the big lessons I learned is that people are people and that, you know, you know, just like maybe that employee looks at me like, oh my gosh, he's a chief retail. I kind of look at the, you know, the colonel as, oh my gosh, he's a colonel in the Air Force. Um, but he's a guy too, you know, he's just a guy who puts his pants on the same way as I do every day. And so, um, you know, we're, we're you know, we, say, we, we, we have the same life challenges. We have the same people challenges. We have the same career challenges. And so, I would, so I guess what I'm saying is that I learned that we're more similar than not. Pretty cool that uh, you know you spent that long in the Air Force before going into this career. That's basically half of a, a full military career. Yeah, I mean it was a pivotal time for me, and that was another thing. It was like it, that was another thing for me that kind of like I, I got out of the military. Uh, they, they had an early out, and 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 a, in my immature reaction at that time as a twenty, I think I was twenty seven, twenty eight years old was, oh, yeah, I'll get out. And as soon as I signed the paperwork to get out, I regretted it. Mm. And for like the next six months, I tried to rescind it. And they wouldn't let me because they were <laughs> like, nope. They were like, nope, this is it. But, you know, one of the things that I learned that I share with some of the folks that I, I try to mentor sometimes is that don't live in the shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, and I should have done that. I could have done that. I would have done that. Live in the here and now. Look at the, look at the circumstances you're in now. Look at the blessings that you have now. And try to grow from them, and that's kind of how I live now. I'm like, I have no, I have zero regrets about anything that's happened in my professional career because I just feel like it was meant to be. I've been afforded numerous opportunities and blessings that some folks have not, and I get that. But I have zero regrets about how my life has really evolved. I mean, it is what it is. I wouldn't change a thing. There's nothing that I would change. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.